to be a follower of the Jewish Messiah, it is, as a Gentile especially, it is to have a calling to the Jewish people. There's really no getting around that. It's not optional. The Gentile has a very strategic role in bringing Jewish people to faith. Welcome to another episode of A Jew and a Gentile Discuss. I'm Ezra Benjamin. And I'm Carly Berna. And we are, respectively, a Jew and a Gentile who both believe in Jesus and believe that there's value in looking at history as well as today's world and the headlines we see online or on TV through both a Jewish and a Christian lens. And Carly, you know, one of the one of the main purposes of this podcast is to help bridge the gap between what can feel like two very polar opposites on the spectrum, the Christian world and the Jewish world, or Christian forms of worship and Jewish forms of worship, or a Jewish or an Israeli perspective and a Christian perspective that knows very little of the Middle East and except for what they see on the headlines. And one of the topics we want to kind of go after today that our audience may not have thought of in this kind of overly polarized view of things is the idea of Gentiles or people not from a Jewish background joining with the Jewish community. And specifically today, we're going to talk about Gentiles joining the Messianic Jewish community. So a community that believes that Jesus or Yeshua in Hebrew is the Messiah, not only of the Jewish people, but the savior of the whole world and how somebody not from a Jewish background finds themselves in a way at home in, in uh, a Messianic Jewish context text where they're worshiping in a Jewish way, keeping Jewish festivals, kind of living a Jewish lifestyle. And to help us unpack this kind of complex hybrid topic or hybrid of an issue is Travis Snow. Travis is the founder of Voice of Messiah Ministries, founded in 2016. And Travis, for those who have an interest in this, definitely identifies as a millennial. So kind of on the younger side of things, when we think of somebody founding a Messianic Jewish ministry or a Jewish teaching ministry, you think of maybe uh, the stereotypical person, you know, from the baby boomer generation in their 60s or 70s now. But Carly, so many people in the Cusper generation and the millennial generation also feel this call to teach the word of God and to engage in some really uh, vibrant and vitally needed ministry from a Jewish perspective. And so, Travis, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you guys for having me. I, uh, I'm really looking forward to the discussion, especially after I heard that intro. That's uh, those are all the types of things I love to dig into. So this should be this should be good. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Well, let's dive in without further ado, Carly. Let's discuss. All right. Again, Travis, thanks for joining us. But let's start with if you could just tell our audience a little bit about yourself, kind of your elevator pitch of what your upbringing was. Okay, so elevator pitch, long story short, I was raised outside of Dallas, Texas in a Bible church, which down here, it's basically like a Baptist church without the name Baptist, kind of your typical non-denominational evangelical church. Uh, My mom took me to church pretty much every Sunday. And as a young kid, I never would say that I had a deep personal relationship with Jesus, but obviously being raised in a Christian environment, that was all that I knew. So I would have, I would have said that I believed as I grew older and got into my teenage years, I kind of went the way of the world, as they say. And I just, uh, by the time I was 15, 16, 17, I was pretty much just, uh, sucked into a life of partying and drugs and a whole lot of really dark stuff. And during those years, I was 
simultaneously, you could say, drifting further and further away from my Christian upbringing. But at the same time, I was always very hungry spiritually. I was, I was, I felt very empty in a way and I was, I was searching. And so this kind of emptiness that I was feeling in my soul, I guess you could say it just continued and kind of compounded. And by the time I left high school, I was 18 years old and uh, some difficult things had happened in my life. And I was really searching and I really was becoming more interested in Jesus as kind of in more of a mature way now that I was out of school. And I decided to start reading the New Testament. And I, I, I had actually seen the movie, The Passion of the Christ, uh, that Mel Gibson movie. And it was really interesting how the Lord used that. It had a major impact on me. And there was other stuff happening in my life as well. But long story short, I, after I watched that movie, I said, you know, I grew up in church. I walked away from religion. I don't know if I mentioned I stopped going to church when I was a teenager completely and decided I was kind of past all that. But after I saw that movie, I was like, okay, I need to understand who this Jesus guy was. I need to understand his life. Uh, who, what was he all about? So I just started reading the New Testament. I started reading the Gospels started reading the Gospel of Matthew and was really just going all the way through the New Testament. And in that process, this was 2004, right after I graduated high school, I was 18. And I just started having really kind of like powerful encounters with the Holy Spirit as I was reading the New Testament. I was reading, I was understanding what Jesus was saying. I found him to be the most compelling, captivating person I had ever come across. He was talking about repentance and the lost sheep and going after the lost. And somehow I just understood all of this with reference to my life. And I understood the claims that he was making upon my life that I needed to repent, turn. And this all kind of culminated in the, I was actually reading the book of Ephesians one night and I understood the gospel. I understood what it meant that he died for me. I understood that in a personal way. I understood his resurrection and I really got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I was immediately, you could say from that time on, kind of on a completely new path. I was set free from my addictions and uh, it was the beginning of a whole new life for me. I was born again, as they say. And I know we'll get a little bit more into the messianic side of things in a minute, but um my mom at the time was going to a messianic congregation and i didn't really have a church home or anything so that's how i kind of went from being totally saved um you know just really on my own in a certain sense not that it was me but it was the lord doing it um, but i wasn't part of a church or bible study and my mom was part of the messianic movement so after i got saved i kind of just immediately kind of got into the messianic world which was very interesting <laughs> What a powerful testimony, Travis. I mean, right out of the gate, there's so much there we could dive into, and we will. But before we do that, just, you know, I'm, I'm imagining at a, at a good old-fashioned Texas church that the issue of the Jewish roots of your Christian faith was not necessarily uh, forefront in the, in the messages coming from the pulpit every Sunday growing up. No, that was not on the radar really at all. And, and that's what's so interesting is, I got saved in 2004. My mom stopped going to the church we were going to in 2002, two years earlier. I think it was two years earlier. 
during the, uh, I think it was the second intifada in Israel, when there was a lot of terrorism going on in the early 2000s, my mom understood from scripture that the Christians have a calling to Israel and to pray for the peace of Jerusalem and all this kind of thing. And she didn't like that there was no emphasis at all at that church. And I'm not trying to talk bad about anyone here, but my mom kind of saw the vacuum there and the lack of emphasis on Israel and that all these terrorist attacks were going on and there was nothing being said about praying for Jerusalem. So I think that's one of the major reasons my mom started um, getting more involved in the Messianic movement because she felt a connection and draw to Israel. And so that, that was already happening, um, yeah, before I got saved. But there, it wasn't really like a super pro-Israel Jewish roots type of church that I was going to. Right. And, you know, that's very interesting, Travis. As we're recording this podcast, we've just kind of seen this, this escalation of, of violence in Israel with Hamas shooting thousands of rockets out of Gaza and then Hezbollah joining in from Lebanon. And we've just seen a ceasefire. How long that's going to last remains to be seen as the tensions can continue to boil under the surface. But I think it's just interesting to hear that your mom connected because of, if you will, the lack of peace in the Middle East with a Messianic Jewish congregation where maybe she thought she could get some more understanding or at least where this was being addressed in the, in the context of a faith community. And uh, I wonder how many of our audience today is reading the headlines and going, you know, this seems to be pretty important and it involves Israel. I see Israel and the Jewish people in the Bible, and yet my church has nothing to say about this. And again, nobody's trying to be critical here, but it's interesting how the the escalation of, of uh, events and even sometimes tragedy in Israel in the Middle East draws Christians to pursue uh, a, a Jewish or even a messianic understanding of their own faith and and how to put these things together. So uh, Travis was was your mom's at the congregation and you've just really come to faith in this in this dramatic powerful way or come back to the Lord or however you would describe it was was uh, getting involved in your mom's in the Messianic congregation where your mom attended at that time, your first exposure to anything Jewish or anything Messianic Jewish? For the most part, I have a, I have an interesting kind of funny story. If you want the Lord's sense of humor. Um, when my mom first started going back in 2002, she kind of got into the decorating our house with some Jewish, you know, memorabilia shofars and stuff. And she bought this plate and she had a, it had a star of David. It was like a decorative plate. And she put it right in the center of our dining room table. And I, growing up in the church, I knew that Jesus was Jewish. So I kind of could go with it to some extent, but I was still really embarrassed by it as a Christian that my mom was getting so pulled into this sort of like Jewish world that at that time, at that point, I didn't really understand it all the way. And um, so when my friends would come over, I would actually hide the plate and like move the plate. I didn't want anyone to see it. I was like really ashamed that my mom was getting into the Jewish world. But I knew I knew enough from scripture that Jesus was Jewish. So I was kind of open to it. I had visited one time with her before I really got saved. I think when I was 16, I visited the Messianic congregation with her, but I wasn't ready at that point. But yes, right as I was you know, getting saved, that was really the first time that I uh, entered into the Jewish world in any sense whatsoever. I didn't have Jewish friends in high school. I didn't live in a super Jewish part of Dallas. Um, 
uh, yeah, so that was really the entry point for me into the Jewish world was the Messianic movement. And that's one reason I, I really value the Messianic Jewish movement for so many reasons, but because it's a very tangible way to connect. And I, and I think that's what a lot of people uh, feel. And that was the case for me. So Travis, you went from kind of having this entry into the Messianic Jewish world by going to your mom's congregation. But as you, as we mentioned at the top of this interview, you know, you started your own ministry now. So at what point in your journey did you feel a personal calling to Israel and the Jewish people? I would say from pretty early on, from the very beginning, because one of the things that I started understanding soon after I got saved, kind of in addition to the basic gospel message that really saved me, I started understanding Romans 9 through 11. And, you know, Paul says in Romans 11 that salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel jealous, a good kind of jealousy, to provoke them to want a relationship with God. And then Paul also says there, he says, insofar as I'm a minister to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. He's basically saying, I want to see more Gentiles saved so that I can see more Jewish people saved because the Gentile has a very strategic role in bringing Jewish people to faith. So what happened for me was from the very early days of, of really walking with the Lord, I started understanding that to be a Gentile Christian is to have a call to the Jewish people. It's not even so much about, well, is it my personal calling? Although I think different people will have different personal callings and how that will flesh itself out. I don't think every Christian is called to go and be like a missionary in Israel or something. But I started to see that to be a follower of the Jewish Messiah, it is, as a Gentile especially in, in my context, it is to have a calling to the Jewish people. There's really no getting around that. It's not like Paul makes it optional. So I would say I was wrestling in the early days of being saved. I mean, within months and definitely within the first six months to a year, I was really wrestling with Romans 9 through 11. And what does that mean for me? And during that time, uh, the Lord was really starting to stir in my heart more of this uh, desire to reach Jewish people with the gospel, to connect with the Jewish roots, to understand the Jewish backgrounds of the Bible and um, Israel and all this kind of thing. It, that, I, I wish we could like, you know, I wish we had a t-shirt factory here, Carly, to print that. To be a believer in Jesus as a Gentile is to have a calling to the Jewish people. And, uh, you know, it, that right there is, is, again, one of the reasons why we have this podcast in the first place is to explain that it's not Jesus, the God of the Christians, and that the Jewish people have their own path to salvation through some other means, that uh, the destiny, if you will, the calling on the church, the body of Gentile believers worldwide, and the Jewish people are covenantally knit together. They're inextricable. And uh, that's if you listen to this podcast, any any number of episodes, you're going to hear us talk about that. We're unapologetic about that because we see it clearly in the scriptures. And uh, Travis, thanks for underscoring our point that it's not just Carly and Ezra's crazy idea here, that it's actually a scriptural mandate. So as I understand your story, because we've talked some uh, before we recorded this episode, your your journey in faith and your desire to kind of get some education behind your own felt sense of calling brought you to the land of Israel, to Israel College of the Bible. For those listening who don't have a have a context for that the majority by far of israelis are jewish 
there are between one and two million Arab Israelis, but Israel is the Jewish state by its foundation. The vast majority of citizens living there are Jewish and those spending any significant amount of time in Israel by and large, other than as tourists for a few weeks, uh, are Jewish. And yet many non-Jewish people come to study at the universities in Israel. Travis, talk a little bit about that experience. Give us an example of a really great kind of highlight moment being uh, not from a Jewish background, but really going to university in Israel. And then also tell us about uh, a difficult moment in that process and that time in your life. Sure. So I studied at Israel College of the Bible for just under a year. And it's really funny looking back at the time, I thought that Jesus was going to come back like very soon. So I thought I'm just going to go to Israel and, you know, study and maybe the Lord will come back and that'll just be that I'll be right there, have the front row seats, you know, but I studied there. And when I was there, I, I connected with a number of different ministries. And one of my best memories was going to these, uh, different new age festivals, actually, that might sound kind of crazy, but they're kind of these big parties that I don't know who puts them on different companies, corporations. They're basically like beach parties that last for days and where people camp out on the beach and all these Israelis go there and party. And it's really difficult on one hand to kind of see the spiritual state of the Jewish people and the Jewish state and just kind of how dark it can be. Um, and how most Israelis aren't necessarily interested in the Lord and in the gospel. And a lot of them are exploring kind of Near Eastern, you know, Eastern spirituality and stuff like this. But I had a really number of really positive experiences there, too, because you do see a real hunger there for the gospel in Israel. And it's a it's a hunger for the gospel that is unlike anything I've ever encountered in the West, really, um, in America, for sure. So even as we were at kind of these festivals where everyone's partying and doing drugs and all kinds of crazy stuff, there's there's the Lord. You see the Lord drawing his people to himself and you see an openness and people want to talk about the gospel and they want to know who's Yeshua. What's the new covenant? What are you talking about? So we just had we had some amazing conversations there and um looking back on my time that those were some of the best experiences for sure even though it was difficult to see kind of the other side of that coin the spiritual state of israel and and um i think a lot of christians might not think of the holy land in that way is kind of the, the spiritual reality of israel can be very difficult and dark but um seeing what the lord is doing there which is you know exactly what's predicted in the bible that the Lord says he's going to bring his people back to himself in the last days and being able to see that and experience that tangibly and be a part of it. It was just, I think it's a huge privilege and uh, it, it was really great. And then any, was there a, a kind of a low light? Was there any difficulty in, in not having a Jewish background living in Israel for a year? Any, anybody say anything to you in that regard or? ask what were you doing there or some kind of uh, give you the feeling of, you know, you don't belong. I, I never had that experience of, of someone telling me I didn't belong, uh, which I'm thankful for. And I was living mostly in Jerusalem, which is a very international city as it is. So it's a little bit different than a lot of other places in Israel. Uh, but, but there were times, especially because I was so young 
of maybe feeling like I didn't fully belong or understand everything. Cause at that time I was still, I've been a believer for a couple of years in terms of, you know, my experience at 18, I, I moved to Israel when I was 20 and I didn't understand everything I understand now about Jewish history and Jewish holidays. So my level of understanding sometimes made me feel maybe a little bit like I still had a lot to learn. But yeah, I never had any like super negative experience in terms of someone telling me something you know negative like that. Yeah, it's amazing, Travis, that you had the opportunity to go to Israel at such a young age. So many Christians desire to do that throughout their um, their journey with the Lord and aren't able to. So that's that's awesome. I want to talk a little bit though about your experience. You know, since you are a kind of have been in the Christian world and the Jewish world thinking about being in the Christian world, what are some unhealthy views that the Christian world has about Israel and the Jewish people that you think need to be challenged? Yes. So replacement theology, that would be the big one I would mention. It's off. Some people call it supersessionism. That's the fancy term, but replacement theology is the view that the church has replaced Israel and that God no longer relates to the Jewish people as his people on the basis of his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so Israel is kind of displaced to the past, and now God is just doing this new thing with the church. Some people would even say the church is the new Israel, quote-unquote. And a big part of even what my ministry is geared towards doing is teaching an alternative uh, view of Scripture to replacement theology, because the longer I study scripture, the more I see that replacement theology influences every area of someone's theology. It influences every area of someone's walk with the Lord, uh, whether or not someone is going to be able to understand like what's happening in the Middle East. Why is Israel central? Why is Israel the hornet's nest? What's going on there? Um, how do I understand my own identity as a Christian in relationship? How do I understand the future and different prophecies? And how do I understand the Messianic movement? Is the Messianic movement something that is genuinely of the Lord? And because God still has a covenant with the Jews, it means that Jewish believers are still Jewish, you know? Or does a Jewish believer, they, they just kind of become a Christian and all that Jewish stuff goes out the window. So replacement theology influences every area of theology and how someone's going to look at the Bible. So I think when we're talking about uh, these kind of troublesome, challenging views in the church, that's really that's really the big one is replacement theology and how impactful it's been over the centuries. And then I guess we could break that down into different uh, individual areas. But that would be that would be the big one is just the prevalence of replacement theology and how prevalent it's been throughout Christian history and how it's led to anti-Semitism and all this kind of thing. To our audience that's listening, just so you know, we didn't pay Travis to say that because we just did two episodes on replacement theology. So if you missed those, go back and listen to those as Ezra and I talk about, you know, all the details of that if you've never heard it before. Yeah. And I think what's interesting, Travis, is that when you say, you know, where are you on the issue of replacement theology? Or, or a lot of Christians, maybe even some pastors are going to look at you and go, I, frankly, I don't even really know what you're asking me because it's been a non-issue. And yet it's interesting that you say that it does, in a way, influence 
the entirety, many parts, if not the entirety of our theology, of our worldview, of how we think about the headlines, how we think about Israel and the Jewish people. And so, as Carly said, if you're not sure what we're talking about in this big fancy word supersessionism uh, that Travis used, go back and listen to those episodes. It's worth understanding and, and just kind of taking an honest account that each of us have to do is, do I really believe that God's replaced and done with the Jewish people? And if so, what are the implications, not only for Israel, but if, if I don't have a Jewish background for my own faith, how many times do I have to kind of turn away from the Lord before he would reject me? So anyway, that's that's a little bit of a teaser, but go back and listen to those episodes and, and we hope there's something there for you to learn. Travis, back to the experiences you were sharing from Israel, from your time in the land of Israel. If you could rewind, what's something you wish uh, somebody would have told you, either from the Christian community or the Messianic Jewish community or the Jewish community at large, something about the state of Israel, the land of Israel, that people would have clued you in on before you went there that would have maybe enriched your experience? Yeah, I can answer that probably from the perspective of I should have studied more of modern Israel's history before I went. When I moved to Israel, I really did not understand the War of Independence, quote unquote, in 1948. I didn't understand modern Zionism. I didn't really understand all the history and God's hand in that history and all the developments that I think could have helped me have a better context from for in terms of when I met different people and uh, was encountering different things, because I just kind of was going at it from the perspective of, hey, you know, Romans 9 through 11, Israel matters. I want to be in Israel. I want to reach Jewish people with the gospel but I should have spent more time understanding Israel's modern history because there's a lot there uh, that can, yeah, make, you know, it's kind of funny looking back because I, I did encounter different Palestinians and, and people like that, right? And again, I had no context really for everything that was going on. So I probably didn't put my foot in my mouth too many times, but I was kind of just naive in terms of like the geopolitical world that I was walking into. And I think it would have helped me a lot just in a number of ways, day to day, uh, relating to people better and yeah, just kind of understanding modern Israel's history. Yeah. You know, as Ezra mentioned earlier, we're recording this podcast right at right at the time of um, these huge issues going on in Israel for for Christians who are listening to the news, they're, they're hearing um, you know, all of this unrest that they might not understand. Um, what would you say to Christians listening that are wondering, you know, what what's the big deal with Israel? Why is it so important? And, and why is this tiny little state have, you know, so much unrest and so much upheaval going on? Yeah, that, that's really interesting question. And I wanted just to read, if I could, a scripture in uh, Exodus 315, because I've been thinking about this verse a lot lately. And the Lord says to Moses, he says, you shall say to the sons of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. And then and then he says this. And this is so interesting. He says, this is my name forever. And this is my memorial name to all generations. So God identifies himself as the God of Israel forever. So he has bound himself by name to the, to the Jewish people. And it's very interesting because we might sometimes think of God putting his name on Israel, which is true. But actually, God has put Israel's name on himself. So God 
he relates to the world through his covenants with Israel, and he demonstrates to the world who he is through his relationship with Israel. And there's never going to be a time, he says, this is my memorial name forever. There's never going to be a time in the future, there never was in the past, when God is not going to be the God of Israel. And that's how people are going to know him. That's how he's going to reveal himself. So when you're looking at modern politics and and geopolitical unrest, I think we, we have to look at it is why does Israel matter? It's because God has bound himself to this people. And this is these are his people. This is where he's coming back to Jerusalem to rule and reign. And we're in the middle of this spiritual battle and the powers of darkness. They really don't like this idea of God manifesting his name through this people and through this land and through faithfulness to this people and bringing them back to their land, putting them in their land, because all of this says something about who God is. And so the reason there's all this anti-Semitism, anti-Zionism is because the enemy, the devil, right? I don't want to sound too uh, Bible thumper here, but there is a devil. He is real. You know, he does not like that God manifests his own character and attributes through his relationship with Israel. So it's just Israel is always going to be the point of contention because God is the point of contention. You know, it's it's really one of those deals. So, yeah, I, I just was meditating on that recently and I, I saw that in kind of a different way. And I said, it's not just that God puts his name on Israel. Israel's name is on him. So he's bound to them forever. And, and that's never going to change. Super helpful. It's not just a battle against Israel. It's a battle against God himself. Another t-shirt I wish we could print. But we're a podcast and we're virtual and we can't. So you'll just have to scribble it down or type it into your iPhone if you're on the subway listening to this as you as you head into work or you're working from home or whatever you're doing. But Travis, thank you. That that That's very well put. Not just a battle against Israel. It's a battle against God himself. And uh, what a comfort it is to know that God makes promises and says forever because he actually means it. He really means forever. And from a Jewish or a Gentile background, wherever you're at listening today, that's that's true for all of us. God has made us promises about his mercy, about his faithfulness, uh, about his desire to forgive even 70 times seven that are forever promises, because in that sense, his character will never change. So, Travis, final kind of parting shots here before we wrap it up. What, you know, it, let, let's say there's a Christian listening today, no Jewish background, whether their mother put out a Star of David plate or not, they don't have much experience in the, in the uh, Jewish world or the Messianic Jewish world, but they have some, something in them is saying, I need to find out more. I need to get more involved. I need to educate myself. I need to take a step towards understanding the Jewish context of my own faith as uh, a non-Jewish person who loves Jesus. Whoa. What are what's one or two first steps that that person can take? Yeah, so I read a lot of books. I'm a reader, so I always am partial to tell people to read and educate as much as you can. There's been so much in this kind of window in history. There's been so many great resources from a Messianic Jewish perspective that have been written and published over the last 50 years. Um, I know ministries like what you guys are involved in are educating. So there's just so many books you can buy and read and uh, podcasts and YouTube channels. There's just so much great information out there to become educated. 
There's a lot of great schools and educational programs out there. I know we mentioned earlier Israel College of the Bible. My wife works at a school called the King's University. They have a Messianic Jewish Studies program. I know that I believe Biola University up in, they have a Jewish extension campus up in New York. It's called the Feinberg Center. So there's just, we're kind of living in this window of history when there's so much opportunity to be involved and to be educated that Christians and other generations did not have. And then also we have the ability to connect to local Messianic congregations and to really be present uh, in the Jewish community through a Messianic congregation. And then of course, there's so many great uh, ministries to support financially, prayer support, volunteer, outreach opportunities. I know I'm probably going on and on here and giving people too many, it's probably too much stuff as far as a first step, but. Well, certainly some great options for people to look into, Travis. And I think also I'll say it since you're not self-promoting here, but voiceofmessiah.com, Travis, the ministry you founded, some great resources there, some really succinct Bible teaching. Uh, If you want to take five or 10 minutes and educate yourself, as Travis has exhorted each of us to do today, take a step in the direction of understanding not only the Jewish roots of your own faith in Jesus, but also what is God doing in the world today? And what does that have to do with Israel and the Jewish people and with you as a Christian listening? So voiceofmessiah.com has some fantastic resources. Check out the website uh, that Travis has made available to us through his ministry, Voice of Messiah. Travis, thanks so much for joining us today. It's been uh, it's been a delight. We could talk another half hour, but but alas, people's subway ride is coming to an end, so we should wrap it up. But thank you so much. Yes, thank you guys so much. I really enjoyed it. Our honor to have you. And if you're listening today saying, you know, I really do as I read the scriptures, just like Travis saw as he was uh, coming back to the Lord years ago, or really getting into a place where he could invite the Lord to be Lord of his life for the first time. Uh, and, and you're reading the scriptures and saying, I can't get away from this idea that the, that the God I worship is the God of Israel, the God of the Jewish people. And I feel this tug on my heart to stand with Israel and, and get involved advocating for blessing, practically serving uh, Jewish communities around the world. Carly and I want to make an opportunity available to you today. We partner with fantastic ministries such as Jewish Voice Ministries in serving and reaching some of the most scattered Jewish communities in the world, and not just scattered, but also facing some of the most severe persecution because of their Jewish identity and some of the most strangling poverty and lack of even basic things like that, like access to to clean water and basic medical care. If you feel a tug on your heart to get involved, not only in sustaining the teaching you're receiving through this podcast, but even more importantly, helping to physically and also spiritually save Jewish lives in Jewish communities and families around the world, we want to provide an opportunity for you to get involved. Text JG to 474747. We'll ask you for a little bit of contact information, but just for texting those two letters, you're going to be entered in a drawing to win some coffee. Not just any coffee, though I do love almost all coffee. It's uh, some of the top couple percent of beans in the world from a country near and dear to our hearts, Ethiopia, where tens of thousands of Jewish people still live in poverty, awaiting that green light to make Aliyah or to immigrate back to the land of Israel. You can get involved through connecting with us to get some of those Ethiopian coffee beans. That gift will be used to serve these Jewish communities around the world. And our gift to you is some of that delicious Ethiopian coffee. Text 474747 and text 
JG or go online at jewandagentiledisgust.org and you'll find all the information there about getting more involved. Thanks so much for listening today. If you want to hear more episodes of A Jew and a Gentile Discussed, subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We'd also love if you leave us a review, share this podcast with someone you know that may be interested in this content. You can follow us on social media at the handle A Jew and a Gentile Discuss. If there's anything you want us to discuss specifically or any questions you have, you can submit questions on our website. Thanks so much for listening. Join us next week for another episode. This show is a production of Jewish Voice Ministries International.